What's up, Rail Split Nation? We're back with another episode. This episode, we'll be taking a look at the new documentary on CNN, Divided We Stand. What's happening, everybody? Great to be back on another episode here. So um, I'm your host for this one. I'm driving this uh, this car, this car around the you know the Lincoln Rail Split headquarters. It's uh, Rail Split Nick, and of course with me are my two compadres, uh, comrades. Oh, that might anger some listeners. Ooh. But anyways, um, let's throw it to the Canadian Wonder uh, Rail Split Mary. What happening? The Canadian wonder. Oh, my God. Um, Well, not much. Can't go anywhere after nearly a year of being in this pandemic. So, uh, yeah, here we are. uh, But it's going okay. Like, I'm thankful that I've got a job and stuff. So it's, uh, I think there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So, yeah, hopefully sooner rather than later, for sure. And then, uh, of course, joining me in the great Rock Vegas uh also known as rockford to some of you common folk um no but in all seriousness we got rail splitter boys what happening not too much how's everyone doing uh it's good to be back good to be recording a pod um so it's nice to see your faces and uh to be talking some lincoln uh, i wish i could say there's a lot going on um there is a lot going on professionally but not a whole lot going on personally um other than you know same same kind of stuff so um, but anyway, yeah, good to be back. I'm excited to talk through this uh, this um, divided we stand. Uh, Heck yeah! But before we dive into that, we're going to talk about our favorite current event uh, topic: statues. I mean, we can't stop talking about these damn statues everywhere. Uh, no, we saw if you're on our Facebook group, uh, David Kent had a uh, blog talking about Lincoln statues specifically. And Chicago has come into the picture. There's a Lincoln statue there that um, there's some conversation on whether it should stay or whether it should go. Um, This is in addition to the school in San Francisco uh, where they were looking at changing that name. However, they put that on pause. So um, I actually read David's article. Um, It's the one little bit of preparing I did for this episode. I did read that article this, uh, this afternoon. And he was kind of given the argument, you know, kind of breaking down the criteria and ways to look at this. Um, and his stance was kind of he believes the Lincoln stuff should stay. Um, you know, when you kind of look at why it was built, when it was built, and kind of some of the context around why it was built. Um, he also brought up another good point is in a lot of these discussions, I think in the San Francisco one, and I think why they put it on pause, that there was a lack of historians involved in the discussion. And um, he would like to see more of that, you know, more of the discussion revolve around the methodology of history, things of that nature. Um, Because at the end of the day, whether you agree with moving or not, it's definitely a conversation starter, which I think is the ultimate good out of this, that we're discussing these issues. Um, you know, we've had a lot of discussions in America the last few years about the Confederate monuments, which I think has been a positive. 
and um, hopefully discussions continue to happen regardless whether they stay or go. Um, and that creates to a better understanding of history and a more deeper thinking of history. That's kind of my take. I'll throw it over to you guys um, and see what you guys think about it all. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. But, I mean, I think it's even even more, even simpler than that is just focusing on the why. I mean, at no point when you put up a monument are you declaring that this person is flawless or, or perfect. You know, it's, it's an honoring of the person. The difference between that and the Confederate um, monuments is that they, they are, they were put up solely for the purpose of honoring their role in preserving enslavement and, and, and their act of treason and their rebellion against our country, the United States. Right. I mean, that the, the sole purpose of that monument was to, for that. Um, so that's a huge, huge distinction to make. I don't think by putting, by naming something after Lincoln, like, I, you know, we're not too far from Abraham Lincoln middle school. You know, I don't think that, you know, that, that is an endorsement of some comments he made in running for office in the 1850s or 1840s um, where he used the N word and talked about, inferiority like it's not an endorsement of that it's just an honoring of his entire legacy um and you know you know none of us are without sin or however you want to say it but you know the the issue with that too though is like where do you draw the line you know washington and jefferson enslaved people uh lincoln you know said patently racist things you know uh dr king you know, slept around on his wife. Like, you know, like where is, where, if, if, if we're saying that these can only be named in the most, to the most perfect people, where does that line get drawn? And I'm not suggesting changing the names up for any of those folks. Um, but yeah, I think that that, that's the conversation. I think historians could help for sure. Um, and I think that, you know, changing names, I mean, I think one argument for Lincoln, not necessarily taking out monuments, but maybe changing the names of things is, Every town has a Lincoln something. <laughs> you know, there's a Lincoln statue everywhere. Uh, at least, you know, certainly in Illinois. You know, every every big city I go to, I find the Lincoln, and of course, I love it. But uh, I think there is a fair argument to say, like, I think he's had, I think he's had enough. Perhaps we could, you know, include some people of color and women, and you know, like, like that's a that's a real thing. Like, their inclusion is not happening. But as far as like taking it down. Um, cause I feel like the San Francisco thing was more like we are taking it down because of these things he said and then renaming it for folks who have not been represented. Um, I think it would be totally fine to say we're doing it for the representation. Like Abraham Lincoln does not need another school named after him. Like his legacy is going to be just fine. Uh, school children are going to learn about him. You know, per- perhaps we could name it after this person who very few people know about, but everyone should, you know, um, so, you know, I think that, that that gets into that, um, what about ism kind of like, well, if that's something, well, what about this or what about that? Uh, I think you can just say like, yeah, you know, like there, there are people who don't have things named after them who should, and it's, we don't want to just wait until schools are built. I think that that's a much more legitimate argument than, um, not legitimate. Every argument's legitimate, but I think it, it's a, it's a little bit more plausible for me to get on board if that's what we're saying instead of like he said this one thing one time or, or many times, or he was flawed because he certainly was flawed. Of course he was. No one's, no one's apologizing for that. It's just, that's not why his 
the school's named after him. No, I, I, I do agree with you completely about that. You know, it's not like you have to look at the context. Like Abraham Lincoln statue is very different from a Nathan Bedford Forrest statue in why that Nathan Bedford Forrest statue was put up, why the Jeff Jefferson Davis statue was put up. Um, I also agree with like, yeah, let's, but he's got like Lincoln has a lot like let's start recognizing like people of color who have done stuff like you know you've got like Harriet Tubman and there's tons of other historical figures you know men and women that have done amazing things like you know you think from back to the war I think Clara Barton you know like I, I'm assuming there's some statues of her but just start like looking at these other figures in history too um, the other thing too that um, just kind of further to this is I recently finished the book Robert E. Lee and Me by Ty said said Julie I can't say his last name I butcher it every time I do um, it is honestly one of the most eye-opening books I have ever read I think it's something that anybody who studies uh, not just the Civil War not just Abraham Lincoln but um, anybody to understand what has happened in America it and he is somebody that he believed in the lost cause like he admits to being like a racist and to revering Robert E. Lee and seeing him as a hero. And he is completely the opposite now. And his story was so eye opening. And I think it factors in very well to the discussions that people are having about these statues. And it provides a background and a context to why they need to be removed, why we can't like, you know, he does say that Robert E. Lee was a traitor and all that his book was very like, it was very eye opening. And I'm even telling um, people here in Ontario, to read it to help them understand what goes on there. I related to some parts of his books to, to his book. I know of others who have as well, but it is a great companion to have in this debate about the statues and why they were put up. And I think it would help people better under be able to distinguish between, you know, can't something like Abraham Lincoln is different from a Confederate statue because of the context and when it was put up. Yeah, that's on my queue. I'm really, really looking forward to, to reading that. It, and it's, I think the audiobook's also, excellent. That's actually what I quote unquote read. <laughs> the, excellent. The audiobook. Listen. Um, I, I also think that there, you know, you do need to look at every situation. Like, for example, the Emancipation Monument, where it, it shows, you know, enslaved people <clears throat> very much underneath Abraham Lincoln. The imagery is very, very much has a hierarchy. Like, they needed it to get rid of that, and, you know, and move and work to get rid of that was correct. I, I feel because it's not just all Lincoln is fine. You know, I do think you need to look at it. And if, you know, something was named after Lincoln in you know, an area that's historically black or that's, you know, was, you know, in an area where he may have said some of those things like that does, I think, change the argument a little bit. Um, but I also feel like, you know, naming things after people isn't, I don't think it quite does what folks think it does. Like there's a Jefferson high school in town here. Like, I don't think anybody even really puts it together that that's Thomas Jefferson high school. You know, there's, uh, there's a Lincoln middle school, Lincoln, maybe a little more so cause they do have images of Lincoln on the outside. But like, I went to, I went to a high school named after an indigenous woman. Like I, I looked, I couldn't find for sure any other high schools named after a woman at all. Um, I'm sure there are some, I just, you know, it's very difficult to find them. Uh, much less a, 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 a non-white, a woman of color, in this case, indigenous. Um, and they don't do a great job with that. They, their mascot is horribly offensive and based 
completely on stereotypes and they call her a princess, which is not an indigenous title. Like there's all kinds of stuff. So they completely screw it up, uh, but they could play that up. But no one in the area, they use, they use her name um, all the time. But of course her name signifies that school. It's not as if that name signifies her and the school then honors it. So sometimes I think it could be even counterintuitive, especially at the local level. If you, if you name a school after someone, because, you know, the cheerleaders chant the name, the crowd chant it. It's like, you know, written on things. People on the other side are going to make, you know, fun of it or puns or say that we suck or whatever, you know? So I think sometimes at least, you know, being a high school educator, I think sometimes high schools named after uh, famous figures turn into something else. You know, it doesn't really, it's not even that big of an honor in a way. Um, but that said, when they're really offensive, like there have been some like named after Confederates and the mascots a Reb and, you know, or, or a Cavalier even, you know, like, oh, the Forest High School Cavaliers, like, you know, we see what that is. It's totally different. But um, I think there are ways to, to honor and there are ways to do it well, and there are ways not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, this past Saturday, I was in Chicago interviewing the interim director of the American Indian Center, and she brought up a good point that the mascot thing was brought up and she's like, we're we're not a mascot, you know, like she didn't think, you know, so it was kind of this idea. She brought up the question as, are are we a mascot or are we a group of people that matter? You know, kind of what you were getting at there. However, I think if you name it by um, an individual, I I don't understand why more high schools don't use local historic. It's such a local history moment that you could have to name a high school after that when it's a name, I think it's more honorary. Um, I, I think there's just like a huge missed opportunity, the history teacher and me um, to do that. And then you could play it up each year, especially at the elementary level. There's a lot of different stuff you, you could probably do um, to that. So, um, and I, and I told the kids in class, I want to push, isn't there a Wilson elementary school in Rockford? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, I thought there was for some reason. Woodrow Wilson. There used to be. Oh, okay. <clears throat> I think they uh, – let me look. I don't think so. There used to be, though. Okay. Then that's what it was. But uh, let's rename them local historians. That's my push in Rockford. Yeah, because it's almost always – there was a, local, there was a long period. Of, yeah, there was a long period of time where they named it after educators, usually superintendents. Yeah. You know, like we have two – like we have two, you know, our, our early childhood and then our former freshman campus was just – named after superintendents, which is, you know, which is, it is what it is. But um, yeah, I agree, Nick, that there's a lot of local history. Um, and that's what the, the most recent one in Rockford was named after a local, I think was the, one of the first uh, black teachers in, in Rockford. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's not a, there's not a Wilson. Okay. Um, there used to be a Wilson. Gotcha. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's yeah. A Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, well, 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 I lied. It's, it's, it's under, it's a, it's all for students with disabilities. Okay. What if there's a Millard Fillmore one somewhere, Nick? Well, there's not because there shouldn't be. Um, I mean, so, I mean, if you tear down a school and you want to name the rubble something, you could go ahead and call that the Millard Fillmore rubble pile. Um, I'm a hundred percent okay with that. Um, (laughs) There probably is a Fillmore High School somewhere. If you're listening for Fillmore High School, first of all, that sucks, and you should really push to change the name of that school. I would think uh, Buchanan would be worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. There's a couple others that would be worse. So, oh, they're clo- uh, they're closing it. Just say, <laughs> wow, that's crazy. On December eighth, they voted to close the Wilson Aspire School. 
So, oh, look at that! Breaking yeah. news, breaking Rockford news. Well, I guess two months ago, but yeah, I think there's I, only a few kids there, and they were could be included elsewhere. I think. I think the. I like that it's generating discussion. People are talking more, so me taking a positive spin on that. Um, and then maybe it'll lead to us understanding our historical figures and history better. I mm-hmm. guess that's what we're hoping. Well, the important thing is is that there's discussion happening now, and it might yeah. start to help heal some of these wounds that have been clearly not healing for <laughs> yeah. for many, many years. Like, hopefully that that is what starts happening, as tough as some of these discussions are. You know, it's it's a good thing to talk about it because then it gets it out in the open. And I think like, you know, that's what books like, you know, Robert E. Lee and me hopefully will help go along with this discussion, you know, in the articles, like what Dr. Kent writes, which he's got an excellent blog. Um, and he's always really good about posting the articles on the, the rail splitter Facebook page, mm-hmm. but you know, it's good to talk about it and nobody should ever feel that they can't talk about it and have, you know, an opinion. Cause that's how we, uh, we can all learn from each other in this. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, divided we stand and using that segue. Nice segue uh, yeah. I, I've been working on my hosting game. All right. I will be honest with everybody. I was supposed to watch this and I didn't. I've dropped the ball, so so we're going to spin this. My kind of feeling, to be honest, when I saw the preview, I was kind of like, I wasn't super stoked for it. All right? They kind of play it. First of all, they play it all the dang time, the commercial, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I've seen it too many times. Um, and the music, they like kind of hyped it up too much. Like the They went too poppy-ish for me on the hype stuff. So I guess how we're going to kind of uh, structure this should I watch this, guys? Should I watch? It gives my valuable time because, you know, I could be using a shaving. Um, <laughs> it's only an hour yeah. long each week, Nick. Yeah. You're going to need a little yeah. more than that. It is only an hour long. Okay, I thought it was two hours. So no, this, it's an hour. Already... It's only an hour long. They played it okay. again tonight, I think, too. Like, they repeat oh. it during the week as well. All right. But should I watch this? And why or why not? Let's just start there. Okay, I guess I'll start us off. Yes, you should watch it. Um, and okay, just because, like, I mean, you know, I've been, we've all been studying Lincoln for a really long time, as have many people that are a part of the Real Splitter Facebook page. But I think the way I went into it was going into it with somebody that maybe doesn't have you know, maybe they're new to Lincoln, maybe they've just kind of know him from what they've learned in school and all that. And would this be a good jumping off point for them? That's kind of how I looked at the Grant miniseries. And yes, this is a really good jumping off point for them. Is it like, you know, is it super, super detailed? There's some things where I'm like, well, they didn't include that, you know, but overall, I'm really impressed with it. And I've actually learned a few things along the way. It's also a very human portrayal of Lincoln, um, the people that they have, you know, like the different scholars and stuff like they even have Conan and Conan O'Brien as one of the people they're interviewing. And I thought that was great because as it turns out, he's actually studied Lincoln for, for quite a while and he focuses in on Lincoln's humor. Um, but overall, I think it's something that whether you've been studying Lincoln your entire life or you're just new, it's it's worth watching because you'll probably learn something along the way, but it's good to see what is out there. And, and just, it's kind of a different spin on his life to show that he was a flawed individual and it just makes him more human. 
So are a I, lot of celebrities used as interviews? Just Conan. No. Just just Conan. Conan Conan's, okay. Conan's the only one. But there's people yeah. for that I recognize from from Twitter. Like I think Megan Kate Nelson was on there. Um, this one guy Joshua Claiborne, he's been on there a couple times as well. But they've got a lot of um, and obviously uh, Harold Holzer has been on there too. Mm-hmm. So people that we would recognize as well. So it's pretty cool. They've, they're very well-rounded in the individuals that they have talking about Lincoln as well. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, I mean, I, the only reason I would say no is because um, we're going to have to do some spoilers here because otherwise I don't know what we're going to talk about in this reaction episode to it. But um, I would say yes. Um, I, I do think there's, you know, there's pros and cons to be sure. Um, the second episode far better than the first i felt mm-hmm. um i agree the, the the first was just like uh just so fast i just kept feeling like holy cow we're like cruising through because i mean essentially the first episode's like the first maybe even 40 years of his life and then the second one just goes uh, you know his political career up to the presidency so um much more concise and so they could they could put a little bit more detail into it um, I do think the panelists are really well selected. Um, the only other, you know, Van Jones is in it. I wouldn't call him a you know, celebrity, so to speak. Um, but he does provide some good historical perspective. Uh, Michael Burlingame is on it quite a bit. Um, the production value, I, you know, I'm very critical of uh, documentaries that, that play up the, you know, um, dramatic reenactments or whatever. Um, so they did a really nice job of just, you know, civil war stuff. You either, you either are, you know, infringing on Ken Burns's copyrights or ideas by using photographs similarly, or you're going to have to create some sort of, some sort of reenactment. Um, so they do a good job of not, there's no, there's no dialogue. You know, the, the actors aren't providing no, uh, no audible dialogue They They don't zoom in on their faces, you know, so like you'll see Lincoln's hands and his boots and his, you know, and his face is usually kind of blurred, but it's well, I mean, it's not as if they're like obscuring it. It's just really well done. So it kind of puts you in the context, puts you in the place, but it's not too heavy handed with like, you know, this dramatization, uh, which is, which is good because I, we kind of talked about with the grant one that the grant one, uh, which I usually dislike quite a bit, did it about as well as you could hope for. Um, and they spent a ton of money doing it, which I think is the difference is you got to spend a lot of money, which documentary production tends not to have um, nearly as much as Hollywood or other Hollywood productions. But um, so I thought that was pretty well done. Um, you know, it's not going it, to, it's, it is, it is exactly what it, what it purports to be, which is a CNN, you know, it's a little lighter, um, as, as far as like really deep historical analysis, but I will give them tons of credit. This is the first real mainstream documentary that I've seen that really shows the conflict, the, the flaws, the, you know, some of the, the, the historic myth making that's, that's probably misplaced. Like they did a really good job of doing that much more. So I felt in the second episode in the first episode, I felt they'd say like, oh, he said this about enslavement. And then Van Jones would come on for like 10 seconds and be like, yeah, no, he didn't mean that. And then they just kind of move on. Whereas in the second episode, they really made the point what he had said that was horrible or problematic or racist. And they kind of dissected a little bit um, as opposed to just like, 
the first episode to me, it felt like they were kind of doing this, like, you know, the, the requisite little counterpoint to be like, we, we didn't forget about this. We're going to acknowledge it, you know, and it felt a little more surface treatment. E. And then the second episode, I think they really focused in on how do we reconcile this with our image of Lincoln? And they really talked about specific things he said about the inferiority of, of black people compared to white people. And, you know, him, him talking about how he's never has been or never would be for equality. Um, so I thought they did a nice job with that in, in the second episode, but um, yeah, it was nice. You know, I mean, it's a good mix. You know, you get Michael Burlingame and Harold Holzer in there. Uh, you're going to need some other voices because otherwise it's going to be like, really again, um, no disrespect to those two, but they're, they're of <laughs> two generations ago, Lincoln scholars, which is again, no disrespect. I would love to sit down and have coffee or beer or whatever with, with them, but um, it was nice to get. They had all kinds of perspectives um, from very diverse backgrounds, which which I thought was super cool too. That's what I thought as well about it. Um, the one thing I did like about, and just like reading over some of the comments that we got on our Facebook page, um, Jim commented, and that it was at the time he'd only seen the first episode, and he felt that it was lacking, and he felt underwhelmed with it. And he felt like, as you said, Jeremy, they rushed through it. And looking like, you know, watching the second episode, like I loved the first one, but the second one I enjoyed even more just because they slowed down a little bit. Um, And he did say Jim went and watched the second episode and said he enjoyed it much more. Um, So there was a couple people saying that. Um, Darren said, I think it's a great series. Lincoln was a flawed human like the rest of us and showing it is important. And that's that's why I like it, like showing more of kind of his flaws. Like you um, you mentioned about the whole like he was for, you know, getting rid of slavery, but that didn't mean he was for equality. That was something that was really emphasized in the second episode. And I think that's really, really important when talking about Lincoln is to to emphasize that part of it. Um and another guy, Dan, said that he thought the presentation was a good start, but it was weak on Lincoln's early home life. So, yeah, people have the same thoughts about the first episode as what you do. And, like, yeah, I think it was, like, it was very rushed. I do like how they treated Anne Rutledge in it, though. They gave her more of a voice in history. And that was really yeah. nice to see. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, and I, I, you know, yeah, I like how they, 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 you know, offered that different perspective. I think how they portrayed mary lincoln was is still a little bit lacking um but you know the it's for being the documentary that it is i i I do give them credit for bringing in that counter narrative to the degree that they did i thought that was was pretty strong i did like too they brought up you know they did a nice job i felt of there's some pretty sophisticated lincoln arguments that you do need a fair amount of knowledge of the period, knowledge of the civil war, knowledge of America, of, of just American history in general. Uh, when they talked about, and I've been guilty of this too, and I've been reflecting on it a little bit about how link, you know, you know, reconciling Lincoln's terrible comments with his great accomplishments. Um, and they brought up, they said, like, if you look at William Lloyd Garrison, if you look at Frederick Douglass, it's not as if the ideas were revolutionary. Like, it's not as if like, well, yeah, he said this about the inferiority of the races, but no one, that, like, that was just the times. During that time, no one was saying that. Well, that's just not true. Like, there were people who did have an audience who were effective um, and who are very renowned historic figures who were saying equality, who were saying citizenship, who were saying votes, you know, um, it, early on. 
Um, of course, Garrison being one of them, you know, I think all too often we look at, you know, John Brown and, you know, like, you know, the, the more flamboyance or characters perhaps, but the abolition movement, especially with, you know, the, the more, um, what was called at the time the radical wing of the Republican party was very much for that. Um, and then, you know, I think that just goes back to the idea of Lincoln as a moderate, um, but it is, I think, often kind of overlooked or just brushed aside by saying like, well, yeah, but I mean, at the time he was actually revolutionary, which there's there's something to that. I do think that there that he was to a to a degree, but not not this like, you know, this person who was completely just shaking things up and flipping people, flipping people's perceptions all over the place saying like, you know, humans are humans and, you know. No, he did not do that. And there were those ideas out there, which I was I was glad that they didn't spend a ton of time on it, but they planted that seed, um, which I thought was well done. Yeah, I, I thought it was too. And I thought their coverage of the Lincoln-Douglas debates was really, really good as well. Like that is something that is like, it was sometimes like reading about it, my eyes kind of glaze over and all that. I thought like writing wise, like Ronald C. White has the probably the best overview of the Lincoln-Douglas debates. But this one was re- a really great. I'm like, OK, how are they going to cover this? And I thought they did a really, really um, great job of explaining it, explaining how the debates were, you know, saying this was they really emphasized this was entertainment for people at the time. And they reminded everybody, you know, they don't have TVs, they don't have smartphones back then. So this is how they. They went out to be entertained. Men and women went, you know, they were often reported about in the newspapers and all that. So it was really interesting to see um, how they covered that and that it was it was very, very well done. And it got the point across as to what those debates were about. Yeah, I I thought the the guy playing Douglas. Yeah, was I mean, he looked like a cartoon. Like, I don't know. They they, like everything was overstated and is like just his makeup or whatever they had on like it almost it just looked strange mm-hmm. um but they i mean i don't think his performance i think was fine but like just the way he kind of presented as douglas i was like almost like uncomfortable <laughs> it was weird I but i think it's because they really lincoln for sure they never zoom in on because you know he's uh, obviously the subject of the piece um and i don't think they had anybody that looked you know quite quite as spot on as they probably would have maybe could have hoped for uh, but yeah that douglas like i don't know maybe that's how that guy looks i don't know but i was just like I, i'm just not feeling it but then they were talking about which i don't know if i've ever really i mean of course i've read about it and i knew that it was he was an animated speaker but they they talked about how he was all over the stage and jumping up and down and throwing his hat and you know like just just this flamboyantly energetic debater and lincoln would just stand in one place and, and give his give his side of the debates and it was, you know, the, the audience was wrapped for both of them. Um, I don't know if I ever, if I had ever really seen it described like that, because I really could, in my mind's eye, especially as we're watching the, the guy playing uh, or presenting or however you want to say it as Douglas, um, I could kind of picture that a little bit more. Uh, and, and, you know, I, that was, I thought that was kind of cool just to kind of imagine what that would have been like. Mm-hmm. No, I thought. I I remember hearing that too. The other thing that um that I didn't know about that I learned was that when Lincoln was living in Springfield that he was part of this group that talked about like how they would do like colonization and all that. Mm-hmm. I I had no like that is something that I learned that was new. I didn't and if I've read it it's obviously something that had not sunk in with me 
at all. And maybe it's not something that a lot of Lincoln scholars mention. But that was something and that like learning that I was like, whoa, that's like, that's another puzzle piece right there for, you know, when you're looking at his evolution of how he changed in his his way of thinking towards slavery, you know, that he was when he was in Springfield, part of this group that talked about how they would do uh, colonization when they freed mm-hmm. the slaves. Yeah, yes. Um, yeah, I, I I think that, you know, again, I give them credit for for including that piece too because it's you know not not super convenient to talk about no no and it but that's the thing that this series is doing it's um you know it's highlighting these things that maybe don't get talked about enough um but need to be and it doesn't make lincoln less of a person it's just it's part of who he was and i think to fully understand him you got to look at you know like kind of like the full 360 view of him the good the bad and the ugly and that's what i feel like this is they're starting to do that with this um one of our listeners karen she she had a really good um, comment here. She said, Lincoln was more complex than all of us were taught in school. So far, I think the series is doing a good job of illuminating some of these things. Scholars won't find the series game-changing. If you've read more than two biographies, you'd be hard-pressed to learn anything new. But when viewed as a supplement to the collective understanding, I think the series is a value added, which I would definitely yeah, agree it, with that. I do too. And as I'm looking at this, um, there are still uh, Four, one, two, three. There's still four more episodes, mm-hmm. so like they're going to take their time, and he and, and those. So each of those episodes is going to be about his presidency. So I think they're going to, as the series goes, they're going to kind of slow down. That first episode was kind of at that breakneck speed, but it looks like they're going to take their time and really get into some things, which is exciting. Um, one thing, one my my big complaint um, about the very first episode, th- I don't think the coverage of Mary Lincoln is very good. Um, they have that. They have one Mary Lincoln historian who's very, very good. She's. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I was not familiar with her. She's seems incredibly. Is that Catherine Clinton? I believe I'm so. Like, yeah. I hope I'm getting her um, name right. Yeah, but she she's great. But mm-hmm. like she's um, very much used as like, oh, we're talking about Mary now because she's you're you know she's just yep. kind of on there in very short bits, which is a little discouraging. Uh, but the very first thing that Michael Burlingame says about Mary Lincoln, which I believe may be among the first, I think it was the first thing any of the historians said, you know, the narrator talked about her a little bit, but the very first thing Michael Burlingame said about Mary Lincoln was she was a very beautiful woman. So like, I was just kind of like, <laughs> like, this is, this is how we're going to start our conversation yeah. about Mary Lincoln is to talk about how she, about her appearance. Um, and then, of course, there's virtually no other. I don't. I can't even think of one other woman who's been mentioned aside from Anne Rutledge and Lincoln's mother and stepmother, which, of course, they're going to be mentioned. No, there haven't um, been as they, as they should be. Um, but you know, again, I I really, you know, I've read every word of the first volume of Berlin Games, Abraham Lincoln: A Life, much of the second. He's you know, it's my go-to reference for you know, doing research for the show and just kind of sharpening up on things. So tons of respect for him. I do think, um, you know, you know, I think, you know, he, you know, he, his psychoanalyst analysis of Lincoln is pretty, you know, that's kind of his signature. Um, so I did like how they incorporated it. Um, but I, I think that it was a little misplaced in this particular piece because it's like, they're trying to do so much. So he talked about, you know, the death of Lincoln's mother and how his father was largely absent 
and there's a lot of psychology that goes there. But basically, he just kind of said, you know, when a when a child loses a parent, if the other parent is emotionally available, it largely offsets the impact. But Thomas Lincoln was not emotionally available, which is like such a fascinating thing to go into and really dig into and really, you know, dive into that detail, which of course you just can't do here. But but that is one thing that Michael Berling game does bring is that that psychoanalysis that um, about Lincoln's grief and loss and depression and melancholy, whatever you want to call it, um, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, I've heard him talk about it before, so it's kind of like, oh, yeah, it's it's uh, like it's I know, I know this part. I've seen this episode, you know, that kind of thing. So could they have split the first episode into two? Like, would that have worked with how the pacing so it sounds to me the first one's got this very rapid pace, and then the yes. second has a nice pace to it. So could they have easily split that content up into two episodes? And then at the end of the day, why not do that if they're only an hour long and you already have, what, a total of six going into it anyways? I wouldn't say, yeah, 100%. Um, they, you know, they could have probably, you know, the the move to New Salem – or the move to Springfield, I think would have been a logical place to, to, to cut it off. And that way you're really just focusing on kind of childhood formative years. Um, they, you know, they probably the move to New Salem. So really just, that's kind of when he's off on his own. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can go into a much more about, um, you know, losing his parents, you can go into his sister, you can go into him, you know, being teaching himself how to teaching himself everything basically. Um, you know, it is very chronological. Like they don't, they don't like go into his law career and then back up and talk about his political career and then back up and talk about his personal life. Like they try to weave it in all together, uh, which makes sense. I think you know, if you if if with with a bigger viewing viewing audience, I think you need to do that because otherwise it's a little confusing. Like, wait, where where even are we in this timeline? Um, so it, because it is so, so sequential, because I think you could probably have gone into just like personal stuff, you know, including then his move to New Salem and his, even his work in the, the store and as postmaster and Ann Rutledge, but like, um, and talked about his law career perhaps, but like, there's some stuff in there, like it, it's, there's just such a, you know, looking at Lincoln's life, like there's a reason why Michael Burlingame wrote a two volume work and the first volume goes up to 1860 or 1861 probably and then there's a whole nother volume that's just four years you know i mean so it's i mean obviously there, there's a clear reason for that but i think they probably could have taken some of the elements from the second one put it in the first or put it in the first one and split it into two to me i feel like there's never enough attention especially historical figures to the childhood i mean because we all know how much especially as educators or you know in the museum and just being historians, how much the childhood shapes the rest of your life. Um, so that's kind of, it sounds, and I think the agreement is universal from the comments we have in that most of uh, everybody who's watched it kind of feels like, yeah, that there was more there that they could have done to really have provided more insight to why he became the person that he did. Yeah. Is that, would, would you say that's accurate then, Mary? From From the comments, yeah, that... Like they felt the first episode was rushed. Um, one of our listeners, Paul, was not overly impressed with the first episode. He felt there was nothing new in it um, at all. 
Um, but he said he was going to give the second episode a view. So, Paul, if you did, can you please let us know what you thought about the second episode? I'm very curious because, like, I know Jim Chain like said it was much better. I kind of am back and forth about if I would split it in the first one into two. Um, I don't know. I I enjoyed the first episode. Did I think there was more that they could have fleshed out, like with his like with his childhood? I think so, but you know, then I'm kind of like, no, I want. I guess because I study the Civil War so much, I'm like, oh, that's what I want to get to is the Civil War. But I do see how like looking more at his childhood and stuff. And there is that really good um, novel that um, we had the author on called Young. He wrote Young A. Blinken. Yeah, and it was really really good. Um, so there is some more books be like, I mean, obviously something like that is going to help somebody learn a little bit more about Lincoln's childhood too. Um, but yeah, I think there were ways they could have fleshed out a bit more, but then again, I'm also like, I'm, I'm happy with the first episode. So I'm in the minority in that, but I do see where you're like, Jeremy, I do see where you're coming from with that, that it could have been made into two episodes. Do you think it was a business decision that they were worried about people staying along the ride? I think so. Like, I I think that a lot of people, like, when they think Abraham Lincoln, they think Civil War, too. They think his presidency. And that's probably what they're looking to get to, is that, and to focus on that. Yeah. I think, you know, it was probably also just a narrative decision that I just think, you know, I think they could have just just acknowledge that they weren't giving the childhood enough attention. I think, you know, even if you just kind of say, like, hey, like, very brief, details like you know he was born his his mother died like and if you just kind of not skip over but basically kind of like acknowledge like we're not giving this as much attention and then just started in like new salem because it just felt like they were trying to give it almost was like that episode covered 40 year 40 ish years and they wanted to give each era about the same amount of time you know like what they didn't skew it toward where we have more information or so it just kind of felt like just i mean i was almost just like oh there's so much going on like this is so fast um and i was trying to like just jot down things that i found interesting and it was uh, it was a struggle um to do so because he you know he was all the way up to springfield he had he had met mary lincoln or mary todd at the time you know like um so that was in there and in the same episode that he lost his mom i mean this is like tons of stuff so i just a bit off more than they can chew in that first episode it reminds me of the the vet doc class the kids will get these veteran interviews and then the kids sometimes will be like they don't know what to do when the veterans talk about their childhood do i just jump into their military service so i get their childhood time and then some kids you know kind of do it but they don't really know how to do it and it kind of sounds like this first episode was almost kind of like that like we, we want to acknowledge this instead of just starting right with this political career we're not quite sure how to do it. Maybe business played a role in it too. They were worried about the viewers coming back. By the way, you guys are kind of talking about it. Don't I do it think was. I will say this. I think Sterling K. Brown just does an excellent job. I, I think he's awesome anyway. But um, I do like how he does the Lincoln quotes. I thought that was an interesting choice. They they don't mm-hmm. have like narrator or you know voice actors doing Lincoln or really anyone else other than women um like they had a they had a little girl do or you know a young person do um uh grace bedell's letter um you know so like but 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 sterling k brown does lincoln which i think was a interesting choice because you don't see that very often and i think he does really well uh the one thing i thought that was kind of stupid kind of cheesy was the very end of the second episode 
they talk about like you know he's he's based you know he's been elected president you know he's on his way to washington and they and he says so you know time will tell if he'll become america's greatest president or it's last (laughs) like (laughs) you don't need a cliffhanger like yeah like i think people realize that there's still a united states (laughs) like but it was like a clever turn of phrase don't get me wrong i thought it was kind of cool the way that they chose to word it but the way that they did it was very much like end of the episode like same bat time, same bat channel, <laughs> like, yep. you know, uh, but something that is very obvious what's going to happen. So um, I was just kind of, that was definitely an eye roll for me. Yeah, it was for me too. And the the one thing I did like, though, about the the second episode was when they talked about the Cooper Union and they talked about the Brady photo and they told that story and they really emphasized how important that that photo was and, and why it was important. And I think they highlighted a lot of the the points of the Cooper Union speech, and they did it very, very well. Um, and it, that led into talking about how Lincoln understood the importance of the press and how I really love that they told the story of how after he said he read the Cooper, or he gave the Cooper Union speech, he goes to, I can't remember which newspaper it was now, but he goes there and he reads it over to make sure it's correct because he knew the power of like the the press and the media at that time and it does really like they one of the the people they were interviewing said that he was like a master of communication and that's like he knew he had to communicate with the people and it had to be done correctly so i thought that was really that was a really cool part of it just to highlight the importance of the cooper union you know with not just the speech but then also the photograph too Yes, I, I enjoyed that as well because not you don't. It's just not very often that they focus in, you know, they, they focus in on the Peoria speech. You know, it's usually like, "Hey, house divided, and the better angels, and now we're president." And you know, um, but the Cooper Union speech was so 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 important, um, and they did it. I mean, they spent a good chunk of time on that, um, and they, I mean, they created just to show you how much how dedicated they were to the Cooper Union speech. They filled a room full of extras, full of yeah. people mm-hmm. reacting to that speech. I mean, they probably had 50 people, made it look like a couple hundred um, people in there reacting to, to the speeches. And, you know, they recreated the stage. And so, like, the fact that they, they went to that measure for um, for something that, you know, a lot of folks are like, well, it's just the super long speech that if you read it, it doesn't sound all that engaging. I thought they did a great job of putting that into context. They did for sure. That was really cool to see that part. So the last doc we talked about on here, I believe was the grant at this point. How does this compare to the grant series? Is it comparable better or worse? Mary, we'll go to you first here. Okay, well, because I've always leaned a little bit more towards the Civil War. I did enjoy the Grant series a little bit more just because it's the Civil War. But I am enjoying the Lincoln series. And I think they were inspired a lot by the Grant series because I see a lot of similarities between the two and how they're telling the story. Um, You know, they don't do as much of what they did in the Grant series with the kind of the the actors talking. Uh They don't have that. Um, which I don't mind at all. I think it's great the way they're doing it in this Lincoln series. Um, but yeah, I did enjoy the Grant one a little bit more, but I'm still enjoying Lincoln one. I'm still learning stuff as I go, and it's actually a great kind of refresher in, in Lincoln history. Um, but yeah, I'm going to say 
Grant is edging out just a little bit for me. Yeah, I mean, I thought the Grant one was more necessary. I mean, he's just not very well known, even though, like he he, I think of all of all of the figures in American history, he's probably the one who more people know and few people don't really know anything about. Mm-hmm. You know, like they know he was a Civil War general and they know he was a president. Like many, many people, of course, he's on the 50s, so that helps. So many, many people would be able to identify him and they say, oh, tell me a little bit about him. They'd be like, well, other than him being a Civil War general and a president, they probably couldn't say much more. So I do really like that there was a mainstream piece on Grant that was well done, that they put a lot of money into. Um, I thought that they underutilized their historians compared to the Lincoln one. I think the divide we stand uses the historians uh, much more. Um, and they're actually the bulk of it because there's no dialogue and there's really not a ton of narration. Um, I, I think that the, the voice of the, of the historians is stronger in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think they did have similar goals. I'd probably say so far the grant one is probably a little bit, better just because you know more people are going to learn more from it i feel um but the lincoln one of course is outstanding and and if you're and if you're listening to this show because you're super into lincoln of course i think you're gonna you're gonna like the lincoln one too i'm not saying you know choose one over the other but i i would i would give the nod to grant just because they really hadn't been done before that you know they're they're, Mm -hmm. you can find similar ones to this lincoln one it's better i think than all of the similar ones um, but yeah, I, I'd go with Grant. Got me thinking here. If you, if they came to you and they go, Mary, who's the next Civil War figure we should do a documentary series on? <laughs> and you can't pick Sherman. Who do you pick? <laughs> well, if, if I can't, pick and you Sherman. can't pick Howard. <laughs> I who knew you were going to say, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Oh, who who would I pick? Who do you think is actually most deserving in all seriousness? Deserving? Um, and, yeah, and maybe not deserving. Um, kind of like what Boyce was saying. That somebody whose name is up there but not truly understood um, that ne- needs that historical context given to them. So if you do think Sherman or Howard fall into that, you, you may choose. I, I think I think in some ways Howard does because he is so misunderstood for what happened at, at Chancellorsville and he does have – shining moments in the Western theater. Um, like I've been reading his memoirs and stuff and his accounting, like his account of what happened in Columbia is like, you know, he's saying we, we were burning it too. Like we're not innocent, but you know, we did do good things when we were there too. But I think the one that comes to mind that needs um, more of a voice in history is general George Henry Thomas, just because he's from Virginia. He chose to fight for the union and in my opinion, he's the best that the Union Army had. When you look at the generals and all they could do, it was George Henry Thomas. And I think he definitely needs that voice in history and his story needs to be told. Boys, who do you think off the top of your head? I would say um, just kind of going back to how we started the show, I think that a real, true, um, accurate documentary series on Nathan Bedford Forrest could do a lot of good by saying like, like, okay, Southern pride, whatever, whatever, let's, let's really look at what a complete, what pure evil, you know, this person was and say like, you know, cause it's, you can do a lot of interesting stuff. Like, of course he was a genius when it came to being a cavalry general, like, 
you know, that's interesting and that's historic stuff. I'm not saying you got to say that this person, you know, but, but I feel that there's quite a lot of misunderstanding when you say like, Oh, it's a Southern pride thing or it's, Oh, it's our history. Like, yeah, it's your history. Now let's look at that. What does that mean? This is what, you know, what the ramifications of him creating this group did. And, and, you know, so him probably more than any, I think maybe Jefferson Davis, although I, I realize he's not a general, um, I think Jefferson Davis could be another where you can really look into um, just what it was. You know, he's not leading a, a government. He's leading an insurrection to perpetuate enslavement. So, you know, I think that there's a need for real history, real mainstream history on the Confederacy to 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 really balance the, you know, or put into context some of these arguments. You know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. of course it'll be controversial and, and difficult to pull off, um, but I think that that's 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 a huge a huge gap in mainstream writing, mainstream documentaries, even mainstream Hollywood movies. Like, there's nothing that really shows like just how horrible you know the things that these people did really was. Um, so that's what I would that's what I would go with. I think you talking there made me think. I think the next great Civil War documentary, like next great critically acclaimed documentary, is going to be one that's kind of did what Mary's book did. It's going to use kind of the current to really study the past and really dive into the lost cause. That's what I want to see. Something like a mm-hmm. a lost cause, like kind of done in the Ava DuVernay Thirteenth uh, type style. There, where it's just hard hitting, bam, just dives into it in your face, unapologetic, um, high quality production value, entertaining. That's that's where I think the next great Civil War doc needs to be. It that, that's yeah. what we're missing, and the time's right for it now. Yeah, I, I think, think I think if they took Robert E. Lee and me by Ty, Ty Sedgley and made it into the next Civil War documentary, that would be amazing, you know, and not just like. Nathan Bedford Forrest is a great example, Jeremy. And while you were talking about that, I thought Stonewall Jackson, like let's start separating the myths from who this person was. Because when you start looking more at the Civil War, you recognize that, you know, there are other generals out there that that fought that, you know, might have been a little bit more better militarily than what Jackson was. And a lot of Jackson is, is I think, myth, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and kind of the Jacks and also looking at the Jackson Lee friendship, which, which just a lot of the, you know, some of the stuff I've read recently, you know, I don't think that friendship was that that's a lost cause myth thing, too. I think they were friends, but, you know, I don't think it's the bond that people say they had kind of thing. But I think looking at this and starting separating these myths and why these men were elevated and what is actually the truth about them. And that's what the book Robert E. Lee and me definitely is a start with like it is like I said it's very eye-opening and it's you know you learn about West Point and some of the stuff that's gone on there you learn about like he talks about lynchings that happened and that's really hard to like I listen to the audiobooks really hard to listen to and to realize that all that went on but I think there's a lot of people um, that don't realize how how bad it really really was and uh he does a really great job at bringing that to light. It's a tough thing to talk about. It's a tough thing to hear, but it needs to be told. And, you know, it's something that we all need to hear to understand what happened. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I'm looking forward to reading it. And, you know, t- talking about the Jackson thing, it's amazing what what a cool nickname will do for your historic recollection. <laughs> and, and, and when you, you know, die I mean, as well. Like his thing right. is all based on when he, yeah, his name, which his name might have been actually like an insult when B named him. It might mm-hmm. have been an insult, but it turned into this whole thing where, you know, it's it's a positive thing, you know, in the eyes of, of you know, people that, that like him and all that. But, but yeah, you know, it's all to do with when he, he died kind of at the, sure. uh, the right yeah, time. Yeah, and he died and, and Lee has this clever line about his right right hand yeah. and whatever. Yeah. So, like, yeah, this, this is myth-making 101, right? Yeah. All right. That is a great convo. You guys convinced me. I'll be catching up on it. <laughs> the fact that they're only one hour long makes it even better. So, um, no. But uh, we will definitely talk about the upcoming episodes on a later uh, show. So, um, give our thoughts about that. So, let us know what you think, Rob. As episodes keep um, airing, um, please go to the Facebook page. Um, and leave some comments. We'd love to hear what you're saying. We'll share it on the show. Speaking of Facebook, that brings us into our next segment here for the people by the people. I know Mary is itching um, and has one ready to go, so we'll throw it to her in case Boyce needs some time, and I probably <laughs> no, I definitely one. do. So, I, uh, I, Actually, I do have one. Oh, go ahead, though, Mary. I do have one. Um, one of our listeners sent me a message on Facebook. Um, it's uh, Jeff R., and he said... Just wanted to thank you for the way you three have been covering current events over the past year or so. Your podcast has been a great help to me in synthesizing and putting into context some really crazy stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sending all my best to you, Jeremy and Nick. Keep up the great work. And that was right after our episode that we had about what happened in the Capitol. And, um, he went on to say these days it's almost impossible not to make half the population angry but i don't know how you could avoid talking about what's going on i think you're helping a lot of people and if you convince one person to think a little bit differently i think it's worth it um and he said meanwhile i'm encouraging everyone i know to listen to the podcast and to start with your breakdown of the attack on the capitol so that was really that I've been wanting to, t- I was like, I was going to send you guys that guy, I was going to send you that in, in the chat. And then I'm like, no, no, I want to read it on air and see their reactions to it. Cause it was just, it was so positive, you know? So thank you, Jeff R for that. Yes. Thank you. Appreciate yes, it a great that deal. Was, yeah. That was just excellent, kind, perfect. I, yeah. I really, thank really, you. really appreciate that. And you're getting Mary, Mary cheered up here. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> it was so good to read. Yes. I'm like, oh, I want to send it to him yeah. right now, but no, I want to read it to them, like, so I can see the reaction. <laughs> yes, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be in my like, that you know one of those things where you're having a rough day. I'm like, I'm gonna go read that. And yeah, <laughs> feel feel a little bit better. <laughs> um, I have one. We had a really really cool um, Instagram post from presidential posts presidential underscore posts mm-hmm. who posted. Um, like a gallery or whatever, a series of photos swipe right to see some of my favorite podcasts on presidential and American history, um, asking for some of their favorites. Um, and they included us, which I thought was awesome and super and quite an honor. Um, especially when looking at who else is on the list. I know. Um, I saw that. So I sent think- them a message and said, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Who else yeah. is on the list? I haven't I'm seen gonna, it. I'm going to go through it. So this is presidential posts, which is really cool. So, um, the, the podcasts that are also on it are presidencies of the United States, uh, presidential, which is a podcast from the Washington post, which is excellent. 
goes through each president um, uh, one one episode at a time. There's a podcast called Kennedy Dynasty, uh, which is of course about the Kennedy family. The 1600 sessions, which is done by the White House Historical Association, uh, very presidential with Ashley Flowers, uh, which is put out and produced by Spotify. Um, the Age of Jackson podcast, uh, which is hosted by Daniel Galata, and that's actually sponsored by the Hermitage, which is the Andrew Jackson Museum. Uh, the Past, the Promise, the Presidency, Race and the American Legacy, which is a podcast with a very, very uh, admirable title. I wish I came up with something that brilliant. <laughs> that's an awesome title. Um, and then American POTUS is the other uh, podcast that they listed as their um their favorite presidential history podcast. So thank you, presidential posts for that honor. Yes. Thank right. you. Wow, man. We need a sponsor. Somebody sponsor us. You know how good <laughs> we could be then? How less bad we would be. <laughs> um, well, this is why I'm the resident dumbass. Uh, my, for the people, we, the peoples from five days ago, uh, Jim in the Facebook group, uh, put the Lincoln Chia pet. Um, so, um, that that's where I'm going with this, nice. everybody. Nice. Um, resident rail split dumbass, and <laughs> you gotta have fun with good. too. He looks good with the green hair. No, uh, I know. like that. Jim Jim's an awesome contributor to the Facebook yes. group. So Jim, we really yeah. appreciate that. And and um, of course, he knows us well to see a chia pet and be like, I know who would appreciate this because yeah. he's 100 percent correct. So thank you, Jim. That's awesome. And I don't think it's dumb for you to bring that up just because we've talked about like awesome reviews and cool shout outs chia pets are chia pets are important too have you guys ever owned a chia pet yes. yeah i couldn't get it to get it to grow Neither I know could I. It didn't work. and then when i did the cat ate it <laughs> that's kind of cool though i kind of like that what the cat eating it yeah then the cat threw up oh it's not like <laughs> it's bad um do we have uh this week in lincoln uh, the uh, chia pet could kind of work. Um, yeah. I did like the, there's a, there's a pretty cool cartoon on the presidential posts, um, photo thing of Lincoln giving a thumbs up next to Washington flexing some giant guns. Um, that's kind of kitschy and cool. I like it. That works. I like it a lot. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts from either of you? Rail splitters? Everybody take care and stay safe and thank you for listening. And um, if you've been watching the Lincoln documentary, uh, let us know what you think. I will put another post up there after the third one is aired and kind of get some discussion going about that one as well. So I'm sure we'll discuss episodes three and four in a couple weeks, which that works out perfectly. And uh, we did have a question that was asked of us. Yes. And I think we're going to tackle that next episode. Am I right we on that? Could. Or yeah, in a we recent could. Episode. Or in a recent episode, we will talk or about not that. not a recent, an upcoming episode. Yeah, Sorry. so Christian, thank you for that um, question. He was the one that left the review about asking questions. So thank you for that. It is to do with the marriage of Abraham Lincoln to Mary Todd. And um, we felt that it was something that we could probably discuss for, if not a whole episode, most of one. So that's what we're going to do with it. So thank you. And yeah, if anybody ever has any questions that they Lincoln related or, you know, whatever, just feel free to ask us and we might be able to build an episode around it. Or if you just want our opinion on something in the Lincoln world, just post on the Facebook page or send us an email or, you know, DM us on Twitter. And we will answer it for you. 
And thanks, everybody, for being patient with us. I know we've been a little sporadic, but um, we have talked and we're working towards uh, being more frequent. Um, so that is something to look forward uh, throughout the year here. Um, so bear with us for maybe another month or so. Um, and then before we get back to the weekly schedule. But we appreciate everybody. Please uh, feel free to rate us, share, tell somebody you know, tell one other person to listen to us who you think would enjoy it um and then they tell somebody else the next thing you know um we'll be doing big things in springfield when covid's done and we'll all party like it's 1999 while <laughs> listening to prince um and dressed up like abraham lincoln and with that any boys did you have anything for the cause no no i just uh it's good to be uh, recording and hopefully uh people enjoyed it yep I enjoy talking with you guys. Always good. And remember, everybody, uh, with mouths toward none and with charity for all.